Welcome to Up to Date Talk, a weekly podcast in which we discuss a recent paper in the medical literature that was the focus of an entry in our What's New section in Up to Date. Today, we'll be talking with Dr. John Pemberton, professor of surgery at the Mayo Clinic and Mayo School of Medicine, and author of several topics in Up to Date related to diverticular disease. I'm Dr. Nancy Sokol, General Internist and Senior Deputy Editor at UpToDate. The paper we'll be discussing, published in 2018 in the Journal of Diseases of the Colon and Rectum, is entitled, Risk of Recurring Disease and Surgery Following an Admission for Acute Diverticulitis, first author, El Sayed. So we're delighted you can join us today, Dr. Pemberton. Well, thank you, Nancy, very much for having me. Great. So we're going to be discussing decision-making regarding how to manage a patient who presents with acute diverticulitis. And since patients who have complicated diverticulitis require a very different approach than those without complications, uh, let's start by having you define what would constitute complicated diverticulitis. Well, complicated diverticulitis really is a manifestation of, of problems such as abscess, bowel obstruction, frank perforation, or formation of a fistula. The, the treatment, therefore, would consist of uh, taking care of the acute complicated diverticulitis along with a specific complication, such as uh, an abscess or a fistula. So all patients with complicated diverticulitis require hospitalization and many surgery? Yes, they do. Okay. So, um, and approximately what percent of patients present with complicated diverticulitis? Well, about 25% of patients will, will present uh, to you with complications of their disease. So, when considering only patients without complications, um, how do you determine which patients with acute diverticulitis need to be hospitalized and which can be managed safely as outpatients? Well, I think the, the patients uh, with complicated disease are pretty, uh, are pretty easy to spot and therefore admit, uh, such as patients with uh, free air or extravasation or abscess or obstruction or fistulization. Patients without those problems, obviously, but who have the following presentation should be considered for admission to the hospital. Those with uh, sepsis, fever, patients who are immunosuppressed, those with a high white count, uh, those with diffuse peritonitis, who can't take oral fluids, or who are themselves complex patients, meaning they may have uh, significant comorbidities, or finally, those who have, quite frankly, failed outpatient management should be admitted to the hospital. Okay. So for patients who don't meet any of those criteria for admission, and it's deemed that uh, they're reliable enough to be managed as outpatients, what antibiotics do you generally treat them with? Well, that's pretty standard uh, if the patients don't have an allergy, of course, to the, to the meds, that the antibiotics we use for a 7 to 10-day course are ciprofloxacin and metronidazole together. Okay, because you're, you're covering primarily anaerobes and uh, E. coli, is that correct? Exactly. And if it's known that your particular hospital has a high prevalence of fluoroquinolone resistance, of course, you would need to use some alternative regimen? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely correct. 
And, and what about diet advice? Can these patients be fed? If the patients, uh, if the patients are admitted to the hospital, no. But if they're outpatient, then I think it's reasonable, and if they tolerate uh, eating, to, to, to feed them. And, and basically, there would be little or no uh, dietary restriction in that situation. Okay. And after their symptoms resolve, assuming that they do, um, what kind of follow-up do you recommend? Well, I think after uh, the original diagnosis is made and their treatment is for diverticulitis, that the follow-up really should be pretty simple, that at six to eight weeks after the initial presentation, and assuming, as you said, that the symptoms have disappeared, that if they haven't received a colonoscopy in the last year prior to this uh, attack, then um, then they should have a colonoscopy. And you're looking for, for what? I'm, look, I'm looking for mainly neoplastic disease. A malignancy can be hidden in a, in a segment of diverticular disease. And also, as patients age, especially patients in their 60s or 70s, a concomitant uh, malignancy can be present in the colon. Okay. What about follow-up CT scanners? Is there any need for that in these uncomplicated patients? I think the original diagnosis needs to be made with a CT scan, but follow-up with a CT scan is probably not indicated. So now let's turn to the El Said paper, um, okay. in which a cohort of uh, over 65,000 patients who presented to the National Health Service in England uh, with a first episode of acute diverticulitis were followed for up to four years. And can you uh, share with us what was found regarding rates of readmission for recurrent disease, rates of uh, need of emergency or elective colon resection? Well, I think uh, the uh, El Said paper is really almost a, a siren call to those who are treating patients with diverticulitis, meaning that uh, the number of patients who actually have a problem after the original diagnosis is tiny. It's right at 10%, which or 11% which is really a, a very small amount of patients who have a recurrent disease. So in other words, if one attack occurs, then the chances of having another one are only about 11%. Right. And that's tiny. Right. So, so this would imply that these patients really don't need to have colon resection done as a exact, first step. Exactly. You're exactly right. So um, what were the rates of emergency colon surgery or elective surgery in this study? In this study, it was, again, even tinier. Of the overall 65,000 or so uh, records reviewed, only about 1% needed emergency surgery. Um, was this surprising to you? Did you know this yes. before the paper? Yes, I, no. <laughs> and that's why I said it's kind of a, uh, a siren call, kind of getting out there and really in a large database in a pretty well-done study saying that the, the need for resection, per, for instance, after one or two attacks of diverticulitis is, uh, is very, very rare. And so that the management of patients with diverticulitis should be very conservative. But they were able to identify uh, some risk factors for slightly greater chance of recurrent disease. What were those risk factors that they found? Well, the, the biggest risk factor really, I think, are, are two. And they're modifiable, thankfully. Um, one is obesity. And the other is smoking. 
modifiable, but not that easily done. True, but but nonetheless, uh, something that the patients that you can tell patients that if their desire is to to uh, not hear from this problem again, then they should either lose weight or stop smoking or both if they're if that's a problem with that patient. Okay. So given the findings, um, for patients who come in with uncomplicated diverticulitis, which patients would you advise elective surgery to prevent recurrence? Well, I think, I think patients who are, who are immunosuppressed and so on, uh, they, should, they should form a different group of patients in whom earlier resection is indicated. What about age? Does that play into it? Because I think that younger people had slightly increased risk for recurrent disease. They did. It's it's a tiny increase, and really doesn't does not color our approach uh, here at Mayo to the patients with diverticular disease. If it's a particularly virulent attack, or if the symptoms never really disappear, in other words, the patients manifest a type of smoldering diverticular disease, then it seems reasonable to offer those patients, if they're young, an operation. Um, but that's true of older patients, too. So, no, their age really does not prompt recommendation for surgery. And to minimize recurrence, is there any dietary advice that you give to patients? I give, the, the advice that I give is uh, basically uh, uh, to consume a high-fiber diet, to, to, to give the colon something to uh, work with, and, and the typical Western diet does not provide the colon with uh, bulk, and it, it has problems with managing uh, enteric content that's not bulky. And therefore, I really do believe in uh, recommending a bulky diet in for those patients. So back many years ago when I was uh, a house officer, we used to give patients um, handouts about avoiding seeded fruits like strawberries who had diverticular disease. I think this is uh, no longer done. Can you speak to that? Right. I agree with you on that. There's uh, some data has come forward. It's not great data, but it's it's something uh, to hang your hat on that it's reasonable that patients not be told that they should avoid uh, nuts and fruits and seeds and things like that. Because there's no good evidence that that... There's no good evidence that that uh, is related to recurrent disease. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing this information with us. It seems reassuring that uh, we don't need to do a lot of colon surgery on a fairly common condition and should do so selectively. Great. I agree. Thanks again. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you would like to get more information on any of these studies or other recent updates, please visit uptodate.com and look at our What's New and Practice Changing Updates sections. We appreciate your feedback, and please leave us a review on the podcast service you use to access these podcasts.